Welcome back. It's time for Customers Who Click, the e-commerce podcast for brands looking for their next growth opportunities. If you're interested in improving your conversion rates, average order values, and customer lifetime value, head over to customerswhoclick.com where you can find all our previous episodes and get in touch if you'd like to learn more. Really excited about today's episode as we're talking about something I've tried several times myself in-house and I 100% know it works. My guest today is Arian Rudmond, CEO of Ignite Post, and today we're going to be talking about how brands can create magical moments for their customers using handwritten notes. Let's get him on now. Hi, Arian. Thanks for joining me today. Do you mind to just give us a bit of an introduction to yourself? Sure, yeah. So first, thanks so much for having me. My name's Arian Radman. I'm the founder and CEO at Ignite Post. Ignite Post is a company that helps brands create magic moments for their customers using real pen and ink handwritten notes that cut through the digital noise and surprise and delight their customers. So I'm excited to dive in and tell you all about that, but really quickly, uh, a little bit about myself. So my background is actually in software and software engineering. So I spent about four years making financial trading software. And then prior to Ignite Post, I actually founded a private sports coaching marketplace that was connecting athletes and private coaching, private coaches in every sport all across the nation. Uh, and so was responsible for oh, building yeah. building that platform from the ground up, you know, prior to jumping into Ignite Post. Awesome. And so what what did kind of spark this this like handwritten note? Yeah. So it's been an interesting journey. And actually my experience at CoachUp is really one of the, the the catalysts, I guess, really that kind of pushed me in that direction. So I guess this theme of personaliz- personalization runs, I guess, through the past couple of experiences I had. But that's really where the genesis for Ignite Post really started and came from. So my previous business, we were connecting athletes and private coaches and a bunch of sports all across the nation. And the whole thesis was that individualized, personalized attention really gets you the best results. And that's really what we saw. So the coach and athlete pairs that you know really focused for one-on-one training, that delivered the best results. And so you know, really what I tried to do is kind of take that experience and apply it to uh, apply it on a much bigger, broader scale. So what I tried to do after that experience was I tried to project forward, you know, let's say 10 years and said, okay, if I was a business or if I'm a brand, you know, what are the things that I am going to have to do in, you know, 10 years from now to really stand out and build a big brand? How am I going to win? And what I saw were a couple of trends. So one, I saw this trend of just increasing digital saturation, right? With a lot of people just very digitally saturated, whether it's getting too many emails or digital ads or push notifications or, you know, you name it. So I didn't see that trend slowing down. And so thinking about my experience from my previous company, you know, this whole idea of personalization, I said, all right, if I'm a brand, how can I replicate this idea that personalization is really what's going to set them apart from everybody else in, in the marketplace. And how am I going to, how can brands apply that to cut through the noise and develop these kind of relationships and kind of one-on-one personalization, but do it at scale. And so that was the main idea that set me down the path to Ignite Post to do exactly what we do now, which is to send real handwritten notes on behalf of brands that are looking to cut through the digital noise, establish deeper relationships, and really grow and establish their brand yeah yeah exactly i think what's interesting and this has come up on the podcast before a couple of times it's not necessarily the personals like personalization how most people think of it right which is you know merge tags stuff like that but you know pulling in a specific piece of information relevant to that person 
it can actually just be the like personal aspect of it. Totally. Which works really well. So you can write exactly the same note to 10,000 people, but you'll get such a good response rate because it's a handwritten note. Totally. 100%. And that actually plays into just who we are as human beings, but you're totally right. You know, When people think about personalization, a lot of times that's exactly what they think of. Like, well, I included their first name or you know, I just kind of put something personal in there about that and they just kind of call it a day. But the method and the means with which you are reaching out is a huge part of the whole experience, right? Because that's what you're doing, really. You're aiming to give somebody an experience that stands out and gets them to do something. And that's part of it, right? So by definition, you don't stand out by doing exactly what everybody else is doing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can't think of the last time. Yeah, I can't think of the last time I got anything handwritten through from a brand. So get DMs. I actually got a DM today. Um, which was quite good. It was like a peel to reveal sort of thing, which was decent, right? And it came, there's a, a couple of things about it that actually got me to open it, got me to take a look. Firstly, it wasn't in just a standard white envelope. I don't know how things work in the US exactly, but majority of brands will put it in a white envelope, either with your address and details printed on the outside or they're printed on the inside with a window on it and it just it doesn't stand out it looks like anything else and you're thinking it's probably rubbish so this one came in i think a blue envelope slightly like waxy sort of feel to it so that stood out immediately as something different it also had it had a name the business name that i didn't actually recognize on it but that got my interest so it probably it probably is the official company name but not the one that they trade as Right, so that that caught my attention. I was like, "Oh, that looks interesting." Like, it, I mean, it, all right, I'll be honest. It was from a, it said it was from a brewery, right? So, ob- ob- yeah, obviously, I was like, "Okay, I'm going to open that. I'll have a look." And then when I opened it, I realised it was from a brand I do know. They're promoting their new their newest model of their of their product, and then the fact they had that peel peel to win sort of thing was really good. So that all got me to open it. But I've Previously, one brand that worked at, we did postcards, which even I think even better because the addresses on the postcard, the messages on the postcard, there's nothing to open. Doesn't look like marketing at all. So that that worked really well for us, but as a retention mechanism, not an acquisition thing, which was interesting. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but this was for a digital subscription service. And if we found that if we sent it to people who were in their trial period, it didn't seem to have any impact on them whatsoever. When we sent it to people who had made their first subscription payment, that's when we saw their engagement metrics just go through the roof, like like ridiculous. We they were putting adding more profiles to their account, so they were sharing the their subscription, which meant more magazines were being read, which meant they were seeing more value from the service really didn't expect that sort of engagement. We were obviously looking for, you know, maybe some review better reviews to come through or, you know, hopefully to see a bit better lifetime value with those people. Didn't expect them to suddenly actually change their habits. Yeah. So it was kind of like t- t- totally unexpected and you saw significant change. Yeah, very significant change. We tested over a couple of months, so we got, you know, a decent amount of data, right? So quite confident in those results. 
yeah, engagement really went up. Totally, yeah. And that, by the way, tracks with a lot of things that we see as well. So, you know, our brands that we work with using our own product, 100%, that that kind of tracks the same thing. A lot of the brands that use us mostly for retention, that's where we see a lot of the engagement spikes and the results that are really kind of, you know, mind-boggling. We do have folks that do use us for the acquisition piece, but I'd say overwhelmingly, you know, in our world, that's really where brands see the biggest lift is actually using us on the latter half of the funnel instead of, you know, on the acquisition part. I think it makes sense, right? If I don't know who you are or have very limited engagement with you, I don't really care about handwritten. Right. But once I'm a customer and getting the little note to say thank you, like not a sales message or anything, just a thank you. Yeah. It makes it goes a long way for sure. I've even had with an e-commerce brand we worked with, we had more success with a basically a thank you note after a purchase than we did with just a normal kind of DM, uh, postcard DM trying to offer them a, a like a, a discount on the next purchase or something. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, the response rate to that just wasn't that great. But the handwritten note just goes down so well. Oh, yeah. Totally. 100%. And that, that kind of, like I said, tracks with a lot of the stuff that we see as well. Yeah. So uh, how do you create these magic moments? Well, how do brands create these magic moments then? Uh, I know we, we've mentioned this it's a big retention thing, yep. really. But I, I suppose, who would you target? Like, how can brands identify who to target? Yeah, so there, there's a lot of different things that you can do. So in terms of how we create the magic moment, that really kind of goes down to the customer journey. So what we basically do with brands is we first kind of look at the journey that they're sending folks down. And then what we do is strategically pick what points would be good to reach out to folks. So from an actual where the rubber meets the road, how the product works. Our product is actually part software and part hardware. So on the software piece, we actually have a nice software layer that will integrate directly into their existing marketing automation tools or their e-commerce platform. So that's a really easy way to basically trigger something to be set either rule-based or time-based or you know user action-based. So the kind of software piece, we leverage our software piece to, to take advantage of that, to give us a lot of control. And then on the hardware side, we actually use robotics that hold real BIC ballpoint pens and we'll write out the handwritten notes in whatever handwriting style the, the customer chooses. We can also duplicate someone's handwriting. So if that's something that they really want to, we can actually duplicate your own handwriting. So, so that's kind of like from a rubber meets the road where uh, like how it works, right? So we kind of leverage both software and hardware together. Really, the key of it is, like I said in the beginning, is to really look at that customer journey and figure out where those good strategic parts, pieces would be to drop in a handwritten note. So based on what their goals are, we you know, steer them down different paths. But in general, like I said, most of our use cases are on the second part of the kind of acquisition funnel, the back, the back end. So if we're talking about e-commerce, a purchase happens and you know what do we want people to do after purchase, right? Typically, we want to give them a good experience. And so we want them to experience the product. And then we want them to either come back and leave us a review, which would be helpful for the brand, or we want them to you know, purchase either another product or a related product. So you know, we kind of go down that path and we say, okay, what does the customer journey look like? What kind of behaviors has the user done? And then where would be a good strategic place to place some of these, you know, magic moments. And that's kind of how we start. So those are some, you know, examples of just use cases that we see all the time. 
purchase happens, let's follow up and just say thank you for being, you know, a customer. Maybe that, you know, we point them to come back and leave us a review because brands always want to build reviews. Similarly, okay, what type of product did they purchase, right? And then we kind of cue off of that and say, okay, based on what they purchased, what else should they be purchasing or what other complementary products should we be recommending? And then that becomes another kind of moment that we can craft. Subscriptions also a great, you know, kind of a use case. I think you you spoke about subscriptions a little bit earlier in the conversation. Also a great time to inject a little bit of a magic moment there, right? So if somebody is in a subscription, what do we want to do? We want them to stay in the subscription for as long as possible and not churn. So that's something that we see super common all the time is brands will set up a, a rule-based moment where as soon as somebody gets to, you know, their kind of average churn point, if you know someone's in a subscription for, you know, let's say six months with you, and that's kind of the average churn point, we'll see brands step in at month five with a really nice personal handwritten note. You know, some of them even include an offer like, hey, here's, you know, a percentage off for your next three months of your subscription, right? And it's just establishing that really good, like, hey, you're part of the community. Thank you so much for being a big part. And by the way, here's a little thank you from our end. And it immediately jumps people over the point where they typically would have churned. So again, and it creates that kind of magic feeling and that that connection that we were talking about earlier too, but also in a way that is beneficial for the business. Yeah. I mean, you've got an opportunity to offer them, you could offer them a discount on a slightly different subscription or something, whether it's the, you know, the next plan up or you know, if you do have two quite different subscription like products almost, try and get people to test out something new. I do like the idea and this is actually something we have tried with SMS with clients before where we've, oh no, sorry, email. We've done it with email okay. where we've done plain text emails to people. I can't remember exactly what they say, but it's stuff like, basically, we noticed you bought this in the, or I, I was having a look at your account. I noticed you bought this in the past. Like, here's another product that I think you'll really like. It goes really well with the other one or... You know, you kind of build a bit of a reason to it. Yep. Or, you know, obviously it depends on what the products are, but, or you could say, actually, this is one of my favorites. I think you might like it. Here's 10% off. And you kind of do it as a, like a customer service person. Right. Who it does feel has basically looked through the accounts and gone, oh, I want to treat this person. Exactly. Sort of thing. So there could be an interesting opportunity there, especially to have it signed off by, just like a team member who's reached out because again obviously depending on the business you know smaller brands might would get away with doing it from the founder or the ceo or someone right but massive business isn't correct even me who's in market right right I, I, there'll be a mo- little moment where i'm thinking has someone actually done this right. or is it automated now there would be a little hesitation so i think there's some great opportunities there and it's so easy to do as well because it's Right, it's basically, you're basically using the same data that would go into Clavio. Exactly. Yeah, but you bring up a, a good point there, right? Because there's kind of two elements to reaching out to someone, you know, especially even if you compare this with like a plain text email, part of it is what you're saying when you reach out. But then the other part is how you're saying it, right? So that's the other yeah. piece is it's the positioning of it and it comes, it totally changes the tone of the message and how it comes across, which is a big part of it. Yeah, there's a brand called Naked Wines, and I remember this because they uh, they emailed me today. 
these, they always have these emails. I think they only go out to like angels, which are kind of them, them members. Yep. They're almost their subscribers. And it's always plain text and it's always by the white, whoever the wine guy is at that time. Right. I don't think it's changed that much. I think this is maybe the second wine guide that I've known. But they, you know, they make a big deal out of it. This is almost like, um, I, I don't know if it is actually a separate job. So I have a feeling it might be actually, but it's, you know, it's almost like a C-suite level person. Right. Right. His job is wine. Go find the best wine, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So every now and again, you'll get an email from him, which says, I've, I went to this vineyard. It was great. Spoken to them. I've managed to secure X amount of this, this particular wine or whatever, or, you know, I've, we've agreed to produce this just for angels they're pre-selling it basically right. but it always just you know i know it's a mass email right but it comes across as very it's always a, it's a good offer it's relevant because it's because i'm an angel right if right. it's a normal customer i might not care so much but because i am one of their members it's somewhat i guess the data shows that their members are more likely to try new things support new new venues new wineries and all that sort of stuff so it's just it's the context of the message the type of message it's very rarely like a deal or anything, right. a discount it's almost never comes into it it's normally just i found this amazing stuff we haven't got much of it so it's going to you guys first totally and you're more engaged because of it right yeah yeah kind of always read those emails yeah well, they're always well written right it's never comes across as a marketing email or a sales email it come it genuinely comes across as you know, as if you were writing to a friend, right? And saying like, "Oh, I, you know, I went to south of France, found this awesome, awesome vineyard, great wine. I think you should check it out." But it's almost like that style of writing. Obviously, a bit yeah, I know we kind of touched on this, but what are some mistakes people make? I guess you maybe sending DM generally, but also I suppose with the uh, handwriting or, or even like surprise and delight. Yeah, generally when you're trying to really excite people and make those magical moments, what? What do brands do that messes it up? Yeah, well, so you we talked about this a little bit earlier, but just kind of sounding too salesy, right? Even the example that you just gave, really the reason why it was so impactful for you was specifically because it didn't sound salesy, right? It didn't sound like it was somebody trying to market or sell you something. It was literally just authentic, right? So that's our suggestion. The brands that we work with, really, we really push them to be all about authenticity, right? So that less is more, right? Keep it personal. Less is more. The less you say, the better. And it's really about the gesture and let the gesture speak for itself. And so that's probably the biggest thing that we see. And also, you know, people are so used to digital communication and sending emails and just kind of, you know, having infinite amount of space to kind of work with and just, you know, write these long novels. And it's just not the case when you're dealing with the actual physical real world where you have an actual limited space physically limited space. And so that's kind of the thing that we see the most is we're really, we're, we're always trying to reel people back to get less salesy and to say less and just kind of let the gesture speak for itself. But because everybody, everybody wants to go the other route, right? Where they're trying to specifically market or sale. They almost make the gesture look like it's a, like it's a sales ad or like a marketing ad. So that's probably the biggest mistake that we see that we try to reel people back. Yeah. I think... Yeah, so I mean, I, I get a lot of well, emails, rarely direct, direct mail, obviously. LinkedIn, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cold connections from people. 
which starts off with something like, oh, hey, I, I thought it'd be great to connect. I know we're in the same industry, blah, blah, blah. You accept it and then you get hit with the <laughs> Right, right. It's almost like doing that, right? It's like, hey, well, you know, reaching out as you, you recently made your first purchase and then it just kind of goes, right. you, don't get, you don't get excited about it, right? It's not a magical moment. But I think there are ways of doing exactly the same message but in a way that comes across as like a really like well, a personal message, right? right? I think that's the key bit. And that's like my example earlier of that, like basically a customer service person saying, I know she bought this a little while ago. I was just having a look and, you know, even like that's also one of my favorite products. Right. And I found that it goes really well with this. If you'd like to get it, I managed to like persuade my manager to let me give you a 10% discount. Yeah. Something like that, yep. which just comes across so yeah, like like detailed and yeah, and very personal. Like, that works really well. I think one of the issues is well, right, it, two two big issues really. Firstly, resource in house, like people don't have time and they rush things out, right? And so it's you end up defaulting to a sales message yep. uh, and not a very good one. And the other part of that is like targets and ROI. Everyone wants an ROI. And it's so difficult to persuade someone they'll get an ROI on a marketing activity that does not have a sales promotion. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and by the way, that's a really good point too. So one of the other things that I should also bring up is people are used to getting an instant ROI. So not only do they want an ROI, but they're expecting it instantly. And that actually is one of the biggest things that we have had conversations with our the brands that we work with on We've run some campaigns. We're actually in the middle of running some campaigns right now where we are seeing conversions now nine and 10 months after the initial campaign went out. So, which is nuts, right? Like the tail on the conversions are just crazy because when somebody sends you like an actual, you know, handwritten card, it ends up living on your coffee table or it goes on your kitchen table or something. And it's not crazy that people like leave it there and forget about it for six months and then they're like oh wait a minute like i walk past this every day and they pick it back up again and lo and behold they use it right so that's the other thing too is it's not necessarily instant but the tail on them on on the roi is potentially very long yeah i think another mistake actually related to that that would be if you haven't treated a discount code the expiry date yeah so and you've got to be careful how you do this right because if you do that whole personal message and then you say <laughs> right. oh, this code's only available for three days or 48 hours or something right it comes across as a bit like well why yeah <laughs> why can't you give me a lovely discount if you make your discount last six months or something like i've had dms where yeah it's you know if i might receive one around this time of the year it'll probably be valid until the end of the right year. yep or in fact no it's normally inserts right so inserts which i suppose if they hand over a load of inserts to a company maybe they don't know when they'll go out my point being that the expiry date doesn't do anything for urgency because it's too long. Right. But also, you risk missing out on those people who do just kind of sit it there for a bit. They don't need it right now, but they are either impressed with the offer or the message or whatever, and they keep it. And then they might come back to it in nine months' time, and suddenly the discount code doesn't work, and they fail. Right. right. So just leave that discount code live. You might as well sell it for three, four years. In the <laughs> right. Yeah. Because... I mean, every now and again, you should be auditing your discount codes anyway, just to make sure you know what's out there and you know what's being used. Right? Totally. 
I don't think there's any, I don't think you're opening yourself up to much risk. One thing that's always, I've always been confused by is when people complain that they don't want the discount codes to get out there. Right. Right. That, yeah. And it's like, well, but if it's new, especially if it's a new customer offer, why wouldn't you want it to just right. get out there and get spread? It's basically free customers for you. Right. You know, you can send it out as a an exclusive, you know, an email to your database who haven't purchased, right? Saying, got this exclusive offer, new customers only, valid for this amount of time, whatever. Right. I mean, I, I would, I would, <laughs> I might even like add the admin from a certain forum onto that. Email yeah. List. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose they've got to be up to date, but try and find ways to get it out there. You know, we've got websites like Hot UK Deals, which is just a forum. Yeah. Right. It, it is actually owned by one of the discount brands, I think. I can't remember which one it is, but it's just a forum, right? And people come across deals and they post them up on the forum. Yeah. So if your offer gets onto that forum, you can do very well from it. Right. right? So, yeah, why not love it? <laughs> but yeah, tangent over. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> what else do we want to cover? We talked about some use cases. We go into that a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. And I was going to say, one of the other things I think that would be really cool to, to dive into that a lot of folks don't talk about is some of the science and psychology behind what why it works so well and kind of how we as humans interact and kind of what why the way we're built, you know, handwritten work, handwritten notes work so well for us. Yeah, let's do that first. <laughs> and then let's talk about some more use cases. And it'd be great if you've got any examples you know, any brands that you're working with who are nailing that as well do, do really well with it. Yeah. It'd be good to hear if you've got any specific like kind of tips. Yeah, yeah. So I'll do both. So let me start with some of like the science and psychology and then we'll I'll dive into actually I'll use some of that and we'll talk through some specific use cases of like how to apply it. But the really cool thing is, you know, I kind of geek out on some of the science behind why handwritten notes work. And it's something that a lot of folks don't know or that we, we don't dive into a lot. But as humans, right, our DNA, basically how we have evolved over time, humans have evolved over millennia, right? This thing known as the internet and, you know, digital marketing and everything, that's super new, right? But humans have been around forever. And the way humans are built is we learn about our environments by actually interacting with it, right? That's how early humans discovered things, right? By picking things up, by touching them, by interacting with them. So, you know, I think it's interesting because the world has shifted so much to kind of being online and being digital. But if we actually look at who we are as humans, that's actually very foreign to us, right? We don't really, from an innate DNA standpoint, that's not very familiar to a human being. What's more familiar is walking around, experiencing things, touching things. So the interesting thing is, you know, I think it was the Journal of Vision did a study, like it, it was a marketing study. And what they did is they basically tested how well re- retention worked versus the digital versus actual like physical. And so what they did is they put they, two groups of people, they did a test where they showed folks a bunch of at digital ads and then tested their retention, you know, like how well they recognized what they saw, how much they understood the offers. And then they did the exact same experiment to a second group of people where they actually let them pick up and experience and actually touch and feel physical print advertisements. Same ones, same things, just one was digital, one was physical. What they actually found was that in the second group that actually was able to interact with the ads, they 
understood, they comprehended, so the comprehension was better, what they were actually looking at. They retained the information for longer, and the results were just, you know, kind of night and day between the first group and the second group. And that just kind of goes to show that's kind of who we are as humans. And so with IgnitePost, that was our one of our main thesis was that as humans, we've kind of gotten away from that fact that's how we like to interact with our environments. That's what we understand the most. But, you know, that's what that's the whole reason why we did what we did with our business, because the most personal thing that you can give somebody, you we believe, is really this personalized handwritten note that you put in their hand that they actually, you know, experience in a multitude of different ways. They feel it, they touch it, and it connects with the recipient. So that, you know, that kind of connection piece is super important. So that's just a little bit of the kind of science and psychology behind actually physically putting something in someone's hands that's very personal. And then what you can do is you can actually add on to that by using a lot of the other kind of, you know, science and psychologists just in in marketing in general. And so transitioning over to your, your question with some of the use cases and examples of how they've applied some of those things, right? So if we already know that putting somebody something physical in someone's hands means that they will comprehend and understand things more, there's actually even more science that we can use to even to back that up further. So one of the things that we like to talk about is this idea of personalization that, you know, years past, you know, let's say a hundred years ago, people used to interact with a brand by actually interacting with the artisan from the brand that was actually making the thing that they were buying, right? Whether that was a chair or a couch or whatever. And so there's actually a lot of science behind and that kind of shows the fact that if you can humanize your brand so that a potential customer views a purchase that they're making as, oh, I'm purchasing this from a person instead of this kind of amorphous brand, it actually creates more loyalty to that brand. And then they're actually more likely to spend more money and to come back again and make more purchases. But if you think about that's yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so that's interesting because at, just as you were t- started talking about that, reminded me of something we'd done before at another brand. We just, all their marketing emails, so all the newsletters, I can't remember about the like the kind of onboarding flow stuff. I can't remember how we signed those off, but the marketing newsletters were always signed off by Ashley, right? Every single one signed off by Ashley. And after a little while, we started to get people asking to speak to Ashley. I think it was like Ashley from, might have been from customer service or something like that. It was, but I presented it as, so it was basically like a car club, right? Like zip car. And the emails were presenting a, like, here are some things that I think you can do with a car this weekend. So it was very much like it was from that, from a person rather than just a, you know, a marketing email was, with some stuff in. So people did think that this Ashley was actually speaking to them. So sometimes when they were getting in touch with questions, they were asking specifically to speak to Ashley. I love it. (laughs) It was like the face of the brand. So. I think you would, yeah, you could then take that, put her name on these postcards of the direct mail as well. Yeah. So that's another touch point with her. And then it almost feels like you have got this one person whose job is, it is to send you out these cool new ideas. She's the one that's posted you this thing. You'd never be able to change it from Ashley. Yeah. So <laughs> but that, to the, your point, the, the actually the research behind it shows that if you can just show 
that there's any person behind there that you can kind of connect to, you'll have the same results. Even, you know, that's why you'll see brands start saying like, oh, you know, this package was packed by Bob, right? Like Bob fulfilled this order. And that's that whole, it's trying to inject some of that, you know, humanization and personalization behind it. Because I mean, let's face it, we're in a scenario now where, you know, you can go to Amazon and buy any product you want without ever talking to anybody, right? You can go on Amazon, buy a blender and actually get it shipped. And you actually start using it without ever knowing like who was involved with making this blender, right? Like who was the humans behind like putting it together. And so the research basically shows that if you can humanize it a little bit more and actually surface the people behind it, like people want to interact and buy from other people, right? It comes back to this whole thing, like in our innate DNA, right? We're social creatures. We want to be in social tribes and interact with other people. So if you can surface that in your brand, that's what people gravitate to. And so you can use that in your, you know, in your outreach to inject some of that personalization. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've done mistakes, haven't we? Oh, just have you got a couple of examples of from brands? Yeah, yeah. Just to, just to finish up on, I think. And anything like in particularly interesting or different? Yeah. So one of the one of the coolest things I get that I I always like to mention is we talked about this a little bit earlier, but use case is churn prevention, right? Everybody is very focused on you know acquisition, but I hear a lot of folks, almost no one, right, is kind of focus on this idea of like actually retaining their customers and kind of growing their LTV. But if you look at the big picture, the brands that do really well and grow very big, that's really, they have this retention engine going. And so as a use case, you know, one of the things that we talked about earlier was this idea of keeping people in subscriptions longer or even moving them up to a different tier or a different, you know, kind of subscription option. So we worked with a brand, it was a healthy meal delivery service called Pure Plates. And they basically came to us with that exact scenario. They said, listen, we know that our customers are typically in a subscription with us for about six to seven months. And then that's like the average point where they cancel with us. So how do we keep people around longer? And so we basically did this very personalized outreach campaign with them where the the owner of the company, we had a handwritten note that went out from the owner of the company to people when they hit that six month mark. And it basically said just that. It said, Hey, Will, thanks so much for being such an awesome part of our community. You know, you're, you are the reason why we do what we do. You know, here's an offer for your next three months of your subscription. And they saw 68% of people leverage it. So 68% conversion rate converted and took them up on the offer to extend their subscription for another three months. So that was you know, like mind boggling to them because that was a huge conversion rate, but they had something like an 11x ROI from it. And they kept people around longer, which meant that they could sell them more. They're in their marketing kind of machine longer. So they saw all kinds of benefits about it. So that was just one one actual tangible example from you know what we were chatting about earlier. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And it's I think it's yeah, it's just particularly important to realize like when to send it as well. Because you can just you can send it whenever and it will have an impact. But if you sent it, you know, if they sent it after the person's first month. But they, but everyone is churning at six or seven. Might just be too far away, yeah, you know, too far away. What we found, like at Readly, was that churn was actually quite high after month one, right? So, and then if they stayed, I think it was about three months. If they stayed after, if they were with us up three months, it was likely they would be with us for about eighteen in total, 
something like that. So our focus was had we had we had we just make sure they are seeing the value of this product for these first couple of months and keeping hold of them. And I can't remember trial like trial wise, I can't remember exactly when we did this because we tested our trials a lot as well. So we did with without credit card, we did seven, fourteen, thirty day trials. So I know another test we had run was that we were much better off without credit card on trial. Yeah, it w- worked out way, way better because I guess what was happening was that either people would cancel right, if they signed up with a credit card, but also even the people who made their first payment, we would then see large churn because people would accidentally made that payment because it was an automatic rollover. Whereas if we could convince people to put their credit card in at the end of their trial, much higher intent, right? You know, you wouldn't expect anyone to cancel once they've added their credit card in. So yeah, I, I can't remember when the when we actually did the postcards in relation to that. I'm pretty sure it was when we had credit card. That makes sense. The other interesting thing too, kind of on, along the same lines of use cases, is one of the most interesting things we've done actually revolves around win back and actually winning people back after they've canceled an, an account. So one of the things, I guess, with the strategy that we have seen the most success with is actually a two-phased win-back approach. And so we work with a brand called Point Broadband. They're a broadband cable provider here in the US. And basically, they wanted to win back customers after they have canceled their service. And so with the two-phase approach, basically what we did is the first phase, we reached out to folks who had canceled and we just said, hey, I'm working as part of Point Broadband and I just want to know what did we do wrong? Like, how could we, you know, why did you decide to cancel your business? Just give us some feedback. And what we found is because it was so personal in nature, people would write back very long, detailed responses as to why they canceled the service with them. And so then what we did is we actually went through all of those responses and we actually found out that in all of the responses that we got back, we distilled them down and there was really only like three or four primary reasons that people canceled the service. Like you could basically bucket them into three or four reasons, right? It was either they had a bad customer service experience, the service was too slow, or the service was unreliable, right? Those were kind of like the primary like features. So then what we did is in phase two, we took those primary reasons and we just preempted them. And so then we did a an uh, an outreach campaign, a win-back campaign, where you say, hey, well, notice that you canceled your service. Did you know since you canceled it, we've improved customer service, reliability, and our speed has gone up You know this amount? Just wondering, you know, we have some promotions going on, thought of you, would you be interested in taking a look? And they saw a 19% conversion rate from customers who had already canceled and decided to come back. So that kind of two, the two-phased approach definitely works. And by the way, this is cable. Like this is not just a, hey, I'm just going to go and re-sign up for a subscription. They had to like literally return their equipment and get a new installation day. And, you know, it's getting set up for cable is not just like point and click. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a really good idea. And so obviously with a lot of other subscriptions, I mean, you could do it even with e-commerce, really, you could work it out, right? For a subscription, when someone does cancel, you collect a cancellation reason normally. Right, so for anyone who selects one of the major options, normally people leave a you know other free text thing. But for anyone who selects one of those other options, pass that into Clavio or whatever. Six months later, hit them with that little note saying, 
by the way, we've had a look at this and we fixed this issue for you, sort of thing. I think timing is obviously important. If you hit someone with it a week later, they'd be like, no, you haven't. Pretty sure you've not increased your broadband speeds in the last week. Yeah, but that would work really well. With e-commerce, you'd probably have to do it a bit like you did with those guys, right? You'd have to do that first approach, which would be what went wrong, why haven't you, know, why haven't you made and done the purchase sort of thing. Collect those responses and then a little bit later, follow up with another response, another kind of letter or something saying, oh, we've actually addressed this. Like, you can even, I suppose you could even do it as a thanks for your feedback. I passed it onto the team and we've now addressed that issue. And make it even like really personal, like you told me you had an issue. I've made sure that's been fixed. Right. Totally. Pe- people love it when you listen to them, lo and behold. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Just before we finish up then, anyone in the e-commerce space that you'd like to sit down for lunch with? Oh, interesting. Well, so w- one of my favorite brands just in general is Patagonia. So a big Patagonia fan. I'm a big skier, love skiing, spending time in the outdoors. So I think Ryan Gellert is the CEO over there. I would really actually love, love to chat with him a bit because he's not the original founder. He kind of was responsible for growing the brand and kind of getting it to this point and then taking over. So yeah, I love kind of the the whole mission of that company. You know, whether you talk with somebody at any layer, you know, in the organization, everybody's bought in. Everybody, you know, it's a great company. Everyone's really on the same page and aligned on the same mission. So yeah, they're just a brand that I've always admired in general for a long time now. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And is there just like one final bit of advice? I think we touched upon this a little bit earlier, but the just in general, the mistake that I see a lot of brands make is they put all of their effort, all of their attention into the acquisition piece. Brands are always all jazzed up about how do we acquire customers? How do we get better CAC? Almost to the detriment of like the rest of the business. And so that's the biggest thing that I have seen, the biggest difference between brands that are able to build and grow a big brand and kind of establish a good name for themselves and actually build a big business, they basically have their retention piece figured out of not only do we, how do we get customers through the door? How do we keep them happy and keep them around as customers so that we can sell more to them, right? The whole adage that, you know, you'd rather have a handful of customers that absolutely love your product and what you're doing instead of folks that, you know, maybe are going to make a purchase or two, but they're not bought in and they're going to bounce. So that, I guess that would be my final piece of advice is to kind of shift shift thinking a little bit to how do I make customers that love me from how do I just acquire as many customers as I possibly can? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you could use like direct mail to, to work this out as well. Whether you're a brand new business or a really established business, you could just start off by sending a bunch of notes out to people asking for feedback. Like, could you email me back? Like just let me know like what do you like about it what do you don't not like what do you not like about it what you know, what are you hoping to achieve whatever you know you can mix up the questions you can change them up every now and again gather all that feedback and then move into the type of type of messaging that you ideally is not salesy and promotional but it's designed to get business at some point totally awesome Great stuff. So if anyone wants to find out more. So the best thing to do is honestly just hit our website. So it's ignitepost.com. Actually, if you want one of our robots to actually write out a sample and send it to you, you can do that right on our website. So hit ignitepost.com. There's a button that says, send me a sample. One of our robot team members would be happy to write you out a handwritten note and mail it right to your doorstep. 
So that's probably the easiest thing to do and kind of something something from us to actually see and feel and touch your own hands. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. This is awesome. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed being here. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much. I love a good handwritten note. If you've ever received anything like this from a brand, you'll know the feeling, especially if it's written well. Getting the right message in front of the right person at the right time makes it so much more impactful. Highly recommend trying this out for yourself. If you'd like to hear more from Arian, you can find him on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback or guest requests, please send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com or DM me on LinkedIn. Next up, I've got Christian Hopp joining me. We're going to be talking about the very underrated world of YouTube ads. Until then, keep those customers clicking. Oh, 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 o